listen, if you dare, to this Sundown 96.6 presentation. Turn the lights and plug in your headphones as you are immersed in a spine-chilling realm of alien encounters, ghostly apparitions, hair-raising beasts, unidentified flying objects, and more. Welcome to the Cult Class Podcast. My name is Caitlin, and I'm an artist and paranormal enthusiast. I create art as cult.class on Instagram. I am joined by my husband, Nick. This podcast is your one-stop shop for scary stories, paranormal news, and movie reviews. Listen at your own risk. There may be consequences when meddling with forces beyond human understanding. You have been warned. Forest, Suffolk County, England. 200 miles east of Rudlow Manor lies six square miles of woodlands that has become notorious as the site of Great Britain's most incredible UFO encounter. On December 26, 1980, near an airbase leased to the United States Air Force by the RAF, strange lights are reported on the horizon in what appears to be a possible downed aircraft. Two U.S. servicemen are dispatched to the site. According to accounts, radios failed as they approached the targeted area, and the air itself felt electrically charged as they closed in. Strange lights were seen about three to 400 meters away from an area that was called the East Gate and the patrolling officers at the East Gate saw the lights above the forest and they thought potentially it was a downed aircraft or an aircraft in distress. So two of them, Sergeant Pennison and Airman John Burroughs, went further into the forest. Once at the so-called crash site, the men observed a strange triangular craft on the ground, approximately three meters wide at its base. It appeared to be either hovering or on legs and it had clearly come down into this small clearing and smashed some of the branches off the trees. So there was, there was physical evidence which was looked at afterwards. And so the men looked at this strange object. I noticed that there was an inscription on the side of the uh, aircraft. 
I was expecting to find, uh, I don't know, USAF, uh, something like that. And what I find is glyphs, uh, pictorial glyphs, making no sense at all. And then I was running my hand over the side of the craft. It was very warm to touch. At this time, we were getting the feeling of electricity that was just bouncing. It was much, much stronger. There was this feeling of being drawn into it or being pulled into it. Like someone was holding a picture of, of zeros and ones in my mind's eye. The strange vision Sergeant Penniston had upon touching the craft has made this one of Britain's most famous UFO encounters. It's been a big week. Huge week. Oh Huge my goodness. Week. So I released my candy bars, cult class candy bars. That's right. <laughs> Cookies and cream, dark chocolate, milk chocolate, uh, all a three, three bars in like a gift box that's branded with like cult class branding on it. It's super cool looking. Looks awesome. And they're available for a limited time. And I launched them last week and everybody's been so nice about them. So this is the pre-sale. You can order them on my website. Just go to go to cultclassart.com. But it's just been crazy because um, I just love candy. And having my art on a candy bar is like dream come true. What an opportunity. Really. I know. And, um, and it's, uh, these ones will be shipped out before Christmas, so they're a good gift. But, um, yeah, it's just something I... I could only dream of. That's right. And, and they, it, I feel like a really unique space for art, too, but it's a perfect combination of your two passions, art and candy. <laughs> and sugar. And oh, sugar. my gosh. <laughs> Nick's sister keeps saying, she's like, Caitlin, I just feel like that's so in alignment for you. And I'm like, thank you, because it really is. That's perfect. It's like sugar and art. So anyway, you can check them out on my website at coltclassart.com. But I'm just, it's just been like I've been riding a... Uh, like a high all week just you know launching those absolutely and they're currently still available when you're listening to this and uh thank you for everyone who has already picked yours up that's so awesome they're going they're going really good and uh, if this goes well hopefully there'll be something that will be a more permanent thing in the future right yeah exactly thank you guys well thank you just for listening to the podcast for following my art for messaging me all the time you guys message me all the time like Oh my gosh, you guys are the best. Like, you send me like crazy memes, uh, like sci fi memes, alien memes, horror memes. All the memes. Uh, <laughs> all the memes. <laughs> and you guys actually, um, one of my followers sent me the story that we're just about to talk about. Uh, so you're just always tuned in, and I just appreciate it. So we appreciate it. So thank you guys so much. So the story I'm referring to, our listener Jerem sent me. And it is the most recent Bigfoot sighting. This sighting is in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And honestly, if this is real, it's epic. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, it's like too good to be real. I, we're so skeptical now. It's so funny. Like my aunt was over last week and she was like, there's so many trail cams. We have so many cameras. Like, how do we not have footage oh, of yeah. things? But then, like, when footage appears, we're like, fake. Oh, yeah, so skeptical, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, anytime we do get footage of anything, we're like, no, definitely fake. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, like, maybe this is real. You've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. I don't know. I feel like it's, like, high quality and good, and I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think it is 
that kind of thing like what you're saying i think we're just so jaded it's like it's all fake you i know? know i know so this is like a tour like tourists took this video and i don't think the tourists are the hoaxers but it's like this big so if you look up bigfoot right now this video came out last week and in colorado in colorado so if you just search that you can find the video and this bigfoot is just walking along a mountainside and honestly, the coloring of the Bigfoot is really accurate to, like, how an animal would blend into its surroundings, like a real animal. Because right, it sits down and you, it's it, like you disappear. Exactly. At the end, it sits down and blends right in. Yeah. But, you know, if it's somebody wearing a suit, um, you know, even someone said, like, it's pretty risky during hunting season. Like, if they're doing that and out there, it's kind of, like silly to That's do a good point like don't do that guys yeah <laughs> yeah especially this time of the year yeah don't put on a s- animal suit right now and go walk around any cold time of the year don't do this yeah or anytime really or just yeah just don't do this anyway but uh or if you do like use photoshop you know what i mean <laughs> or, or use ai videos or something but um i don't know it's like grainy it's like interesting and i feel like if it came out in like the 70 uh when's when's the the most famous bigfoot Patterson, um... Yeah, 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 Gilman or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it came out then, people would be, like, losing their minds over it. Oh, yeah, totally. I just feel like people are so, like, over over grainy videos at this point. Yeah. And so hoaxed at this point. <laughs> so, I don't know. Check it out. You guys let us know what you think. The one other thing I want to hop into on this episode before we get into everything else is the House of... the. The Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix. The new series on Netflix. Yes, it's a Mike Flanagan series. And Mike Flanagan did um, Midnight Mass and uh, The Haunting of Hill House. He's made some incredible shows, like horror shows. So this was a big deal coming out. I'm I'm on a lot of like horror uh, newsletters and stuff like that because of Sundown. And so I kept seeing things about this show coming out. And now it's number one in the United States on Netflix. And so we started it last night. It's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah, I mean, Midnight Mass was a lot. All his shows are a lot, I yeah. guess. This has, um... It's it's very graphic. It's very graphic. Pretty crude. It's very crude. Um, I don't know what they're getting at with that, because the family's kind of, like, corrupt or yeah, something. Yeah, maybe just to set the tone of kind of the level of their... Corruptness? Right. Yeah. I mean, I like it so far. Um, I, th- I think he's, like, brilliant. But it's, like, a lot to watch. I'm interested to know if you guys have watched it at all. Uh, we're only, like, on episode two or something. Right, right. We're right. not, like, super deep into it. But um, interesting. There's Edgar Allan Poe stories, like, infused in it and stuff. So that's really fun. Um, but it's heavy. If I was just somebody who was like, oh, what's this number one in the United States? And turned it on and wasn't into... Yeah, this is not a recommendation I think I can say for both of us. But if yeah. you're watching it, this is kind of our if, thoughts right yeah, now. Yeah, if you've watched Mike Flanagan stuff, like if you liked Haunting of Hill House and stuff like that, then you then you might like it. But anyway, it's number one in the United States and it's scary. So uh, for spooky season, it's good. And we're going to let you guys know what we think next week when we finish it. That's okay. right. It's time for the listener story. <laughs> this week's listener story comes from our listener, Nicholas Lavasco. 
He is an author and has a book available on Apple Books called Lucky Quarter. I really like this story because I think that coins are definitely connected to uh, the paranormal, or at least that's what they say. When we went to the Conjuring house, people left money everywhere. That's right, yeah, absolutely. Yes. So this is a really interesting story. Thanks so much to Nicholas for sending it. Here it is. The Owner's Quarter. Connecting with the spiritual world can seem delusional at times. With such strong energy, one can seem like they're going insane and losing their grip on reality. I think a way that spirits can connect with us are most definitely through coins. Whether it's a lucky penny on heads, or any coin for that matter. Over time, spirits have used coins as a vessel of communication with the living. It's important not to become obsessed with this because you will drive yourself crazy. Another date on a coin happened while I was working at the same pub in Salem. During one of my shifts before opening, I was setting up the kitchen and prepping for dinner. I went down to the basement where the freezer was to grab french fries. As soon as I got to the bottom of the stairs, I noticed it was unusually cold. As I opened the door to the freezer to grab the fries, I heard the exit door behind me shut and saw some sort of motion or someone walk by out of the corner of my eye. I immediately shut the freezer and went over to the door and opened it, not even seconds after. There was nobody there and not a sound. I was instantly getting a sense that the basement was haunted. Thinking that I had just seen a ghost, I came back up to the kitchen to put the fries away and stepped outside for a smoke to calm down. Outside, I was sweating and my mind was racing, thinking about what just happened. As I was finishing my cigarette, I went to put it out on the curb and there was a quarter right there in front of me, almost as if it were placed for me to find. I picked the quarter up and held it tightly in my left hand. The quarter was on fire. I mean, it was hot. Now, it was fall. It wasn't hot out. Also, the curb was in the shade, so the quarter didn't get hot from being on the ground. After gripping the quarter for nearly five minutes trying to understand its value, I walked back inside to see if the date on the quarter had importance. The owner was working the bar, and when I came inside, she asked me if I was okay and actually said, it looks like you've seen a ghost. With the quarter still gripped firmly in my left hand, I asked her what her birth year was. When she told me the date that was on the quarter, I nearly fainted. I had to go sit down and take it all in. Curious as to how I found the quarter and knew her birth year, the owner asked me what I thought the quarter meant. I then told her how I was downstairs getting fries and the door slammed behind me without a trace of wind or life. She then went on to tell me how this was normal and there's been a spirit there for years. This confirmed my concern. Not knowing the exact purpose of the quarter, I came up with my own theory as it may be a token to the next life and to hold on to it and put it in a safe place. This is what I told others who I matched the date with in other situations as I am still not entirely sure their purpose or meaning. That is just my theory on the matter. She did not disagree and took the quarter with thanks and appreciation knowing that it held some sort of spiritual value. When the night falls, when the shadows become deep and black, the silent pall of evil settles on the earth. Who dares to search? Who dares to see what walks in the night? If you dare, welcome to Sundown 96.6 FM. 
Last week's movie club pick was a listener request, actually, by That's Bob, right. mm-hmm. and the movie was The Changeling from 1980. Thank you, Bob. What a cool recommendation. That was like a classic, like cool, old-timey kind of... Creepy horror film? Yeah. Without being... I didn't want like, to put Like, like we were just work. talking about Fall of House of Usher. Yeah. Like, without being totally terrifying or gross or anything, it was just a great mystery classic we always talk about like how we always talk about i feel like on this podcast how older movies they had to do more because they didn't Mm -hmm. have all the cgi and stuff and i feel like this movie really did that with the plot that's right and the atmosphere Mm -hmm. and it's so funny because this movie it's kind of grainy when you watch it and it's like the sound isn't like stellar and the fonts are excellent and i feel like it's what the conjuring and what insidious and all those movies are trying to recreate with all their like (laughs) 
footage, you know, clips and like their old style. Yes. Filming. Yes. But this movie was actually just like that, like the original cool, like grainy, like you know, horror movie. I don't know how to say, it. you know, like nineteen eighties. Like no, it's not a filter on it. Mm-hmm. That's how they filmed it. You know, exactly. it's like. It's like you're just kind of being transported to that time period. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Which was just really enjoyable for me because I also like personally prefer that with my art and with everything. It's just sort of this nostalgic feel. And this movie definitely had that. Definitely, definitely. And I don't know if I really wanted to like paint it in the corner of like a classic horror film. I don't really mm. know what to really really label this as, but I don't know. I just really appreciated from top to bottom being getting to end just like everything you couldn't like really thriller you think it was like a thriller mystery sort of i don't know you couldn't even almost call it that i just really liked how they kind of planted seeds along the way too and like made you think that something was going to happen and then like a totally different thing kind of Mm -hmm. happened you know what i mean i don't want to like say too much by giving it away but well anybody who hasn't seen it these are spoilers so fast forward there you go um I love the changeling component. Yeah, that was like, really good. Like, what a great plot line. That's what I'm saying. It's like, a lot of movies I feel like don't work that hard these days. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the idea that this guy, first of all, he has a tragedy in the beginning of the movie, and so then he s- sort of saves this young boy, mm-hmm. like what he couldn't do with his own son, right? Yeah, like, right, right, right. And um, uncovers the idea that the boy was murdered and replaced with this like orphan right like how complex and just um this guy is grieving and then he's living with this ghost that's sort of grieving and it's sort of like heartfelt that's like such a weird like a heartwarming it's it's not heartwarming but you are like yeah solve this solve this for the little angry ghost boy you know (laughs) very angry ghost boy Yeah. yeah um and I felt like that was almost so real how Joseph, the little boy who who was murdered, uh, would happen, you know, for like the greed of money. This this mm. guy who married into this rich family mm-hmm. who, if the kid survived past, it was 21, I believe, he'd get its huge inheritance, cutting this guy who was yeah, not blood related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Into the will. So yes, they the ta- whole greed yeah, story. Yeah, I was yes. like, oh, that could totally kind of probably be like a thing today. Totally could happen. You know? Uh, again, talk about Fall of House of Usher just because we it's in our minds and that show is revolving around the horrors with greed. Right. And exactly. this movie does that so well. Uh-huh. So Bob actually sent us his review. Yes, I'm so excited to hear it. Yeah, so we have a special guest listener review right now. Hi, Caitlin and Nick. Uh, thanks so much for choosing uh, The Changeling for the movie club this past week. Uh, it's a movie I have fond memories of, but it's been a very long time since I had uh, originally seen it. So I wasn't sure if it was going to you know, hold up after all this time. And I'm happy to say, at least for me, uh, it really did. Uh, I, I just really enjoy so many different parts uh, of this movie and the type of movie that it is. Uh, just starting with, you know, in the beginning, it's a 1980s movie, so it's a little bit uh, you know, slower paced. But since I kind of knew where it was going because I'd seen it before... I was able to pay attention at the beginning and, you know, before, you know, some of the scarier stuff starts happening. There's really just a lot of great foreshadowing uh, in the beginning. Between the family tragedy, which 
uh, at least for a while, sends you kind of down the wrong road in terms of what you think is about to happen. Uh, but then the ball bouncing uh, early on when he's moving house, which is uh, which is a, a good foreshadowing. Uh, the recording equipment that he's using uh, in the mansion for his uh, you know piano. So everything is a is a you know even though maybe it doesn't seem like a lot's happening in the beginning, it's all a setup for what happens towards the end, which I really appreciate. Uh, there's also a lot of great stuff in the narrative um, that I really enjoy in terms of how it shifts uh, throughout the movie. So, I, like I mentioned, there's the family tragedy in the beginning, so you kind of assume, well, this guy's going to get haunted by his daughter. He's, he sees the little girl uh, early on. It's really kind of obsessive uh, for him, but it turns out that's not what, that's not what happens, although the family tragedy does come uh, into play, I think, uh, throughout uh, some of the stuff towards the end, which I'll, I'll talk about. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, then it begins, we have this haunted house. We don't know why it's haunted. Uh, you know, things are happening. You kind of assume it's, it has something to do with the daughter. It doesn't, but then, even better than that, is it turns into a full-blown mystery. So I really like that. I like any movie like this, which is kind of like a genre movie, but... At the same time, it's just a good movie in and of itself. I mean, I would enjoy it just for the mystery, uh, and yet it's also quite scary. Uh, and that's the other thing I really like is I find this actually quite scary. Uh, a movie like this, um, you know, I know it's not quite like you know uh, maybe The Exorcist <laughs> or something that has scared you guys in the past, but for me, this is the kind of stuff that uh, at least gives me goosebumps. Um, and there's, you know, I think there's plenty of scenes like that but there's nothing that beats that ball bouncing down the stairs and then having it happen twice uh that's the part that's the scene that i remember the most the most iconic scene from when i'd seen it the first time and there's plenty of other uh you know scenes that really gave uh gave me a scare um you know the seance uh, his voice uh the frustrating part where the the woman um you know, from the historical society, went all the way up into the attic towards the end of the movie. Uh, quite scary. The other thing that I appreciated uh, from this, from both the scares and the twist and the foreshadowing, is you thought that it was the daughter. You know, the daughter dies, but the the great thing is it wasn't that number one. But number two, there was a reason. Uh, you know, for setting the whole movie up that way, because it it made it realistic that he was obsessed with helping this, you know, helping this boy um, and, you know, trying to figure out what happened to him. You guys talk a lot about the, you have to suspend disbelief in these movies. And uh, yeah, again, it's a haunted house. Maybe you have to suspend disbelief, but at least there was a reason why he was obsessively kind of following these leads and trying to solve this mystery, which I really appreciated. The other thing I kind of appreciate is it would be nice if once he once he solved the mystery, if the boy was able to rest in peace, um, but he didn't. He just destroyed everything. So I thought that was a nice little twist on what you were expecting to happen uh, at the end. So in the end, kind of ends in tragedy, although he, you know, uh, the man does his job uh, and, and does help. Maybe he's helping the boy in the end and maybe uh, getting rid of the house and getting rid of the uh, the changeling. Uh, it is the happy ending, um, but it's a little bit different than you'd expect. So overall, I thought it was a, uh, you know, a great movie with enough twists to make it, uh, you know, uh, uh, unique and rewatchable. So really appreciate it. Thanks so much for choosing it.
Thank you, Bob, again for picking such a great movie, and we really appreciate the review. This week's movie club pick is Jewels from 2023. I have never seen this movie. Nick has never seen this movie, so that's our disclaimer. We don't know, <laughs> but it seems heartfelt. It has good reviews, and I'm, I've really wanted to see it. It's an independent film um, about an alien. So this week's movie club pick is Jewels from 2023. This week's scary story is the UFO sighting at Rendlesham Forest in England. (laughs) (laughs) And I've heard of this in passing several times, like talking to UFO researchers and stuff like that, but I've never really read about it. And I certainly have not listened to the original footage of it, which we're going to play for you guys in just a bit. So here's the history of the sighting. Mm In December 1980, a series of mysterious lights beamed from Rendlesham Forest in Suffolk, England. The unexplained phenomenon is one of the most famous reported UFO events in history and has garnered the nickname of Britain's Roswell. Within the leafy surroundings of Rendlesham Forest was RAF Woodbridge, a World War II-era military airfield, which at the time was occupied by the United States Air Force. In the early hours of Boxing Day morning, USAF personnel claimed to see strange lights descend into the nearby forest. Initially believing the source of the lights to be a downed aircraft, the men went in to investigate. Upon entering the forest, the servicemen could hear animals from a nearby farm going into a frenzy. As they approached the area, they spotted what they would later describe as a glowing object with colored lights that quickly flew away in the direction of the nearby coast. Returning to the same spot at daybreak, the men found a small clearing, said to contain three impressions on the ground, creating a triangular shape. Burn marks and broken branches were also reported on the surrounding trees. Two days later, Deputy Base Commander Lieutenant Colonel Charles Holt who detailed the events in a memo to the UK Ministry of Defense, went into the forest with the servicemen in the early hours. After taking him to the clearing to show him the impressions on the ground, Halt witnessed similar events to those on the 26th. The farm animals were making a racket, while a flashing light was said to descend upon the men. Halt then described three mysterious illuminations, likening them to stars but hovering just above the horizon, with the occasional stream of light beaming down from them. So actually, before the men got to the spot with the three impressions on the ground, supposedly they also saw an object in that spot, and it was either hovering or it had, like, legs and was standing. Whoa. And there are different accounts where they say it was, like, kind of blinking at them or it it had hieroglyphics on it. It all kind of gets muddled because this is sort of like a super urban legend now. Wow. Um, But basically, once they get to the spot, uh, that's when Halt records and investigates, like, what is there because the object is no longer there. Yeah. Supposedly, they did see this object with their eyes in front of them before they got to it, that area. Wow. But... 
you know, it's kind of like Roswell where it's like, did it happen? Did not happen? The things that we do know is that they investigated the area where people said they saw the lights the previous day Mm -hmm. and then they saw lights again. And this is another one of those, is it because they're in the military, there's more credibility situations? Like, this is the Mm -hmm. Royal Air Force. So, does that kind of bolster any kind of claims that they may have, knowing that they're going to have to eventually put this, like, uh, what am I looking for, the words? Like, record this into a memo and submit this? Like... Essentially, I, I feel I like they have more consequences, people in the military. For saying things. Versus like yeah. regular average Joe civilians. Because like you could be like court-martialed and like yes. be imprisoned for lying. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. And I think that is why this is one of the most credible UFO witness stories in history. Because of the people who witnessed it. Mm-hmm. And... I know I said, and we've said, you know, in previous episodes that people from the military have reached out and been like, well, there are people who are dishonest in the military, just like anywhere else. Of course. But I agree with you that there's, they do have like more consequence when it comes to lying. And I feel like there's... uh, Especially active duty military people. Active duty. And I feel like there's a big difference from just going on the History Channel and saying a couple things Mm -hmm. versus going on the record and submitting a memorandum. That'll be submitted to your superiors and put in record for, in their case, the Ministry of Defense entire history. I know. I couldn't agree more, and I think that's why Roswell is also so credible, because most of those people were involved in the military, and that it was our own government or parts of the government that said initially that it was something unidentified. And so it's like, I, I see yes. the the correlation between both cases. Um and there is more credibility to that because, like, I don't know, maybe we put more stake in those agencies. Yeah, and I I mean, I, I think so, just, like, to go through the process, to be vetted, to be even in a position of anyone at a government mm-hmm. position, uh, I feel like you are weeded out if you have, you know, mm-hmm. the capabilities to just kind of say really wild things in public um Uh so i but you know some some get through right yep the other thing that i'm thinking is they could be telling the truth but it could also be top secret military like just with maybe roswell or like we talked about the russian soldiers being turned to stone a few weeks ago like it could be top secret tech that these personnel don't even know about so true so true and they could just be being honest and they don't know who knows but very interesting case very interesting case so what we're gonna do is we're gonna kind of like do this episode of how we did the last one where we leave you guys with the actual recording to listen to so in 1984 a copy of what became known as the halt tape was released to ufo researchers by colonel sam morgan This tape chronicles Holt's investigation in the forest in real time, including taking radiation readings, the sighting of the flashing light between trees, and the star-like objects that hovered and twinkled. So we're about to play you the original Holt tape. It's about 20 minutes long. It's kind of hard to hear. Uh, We turned up the audio to make it a little bit more clear, uh, but the stuff in there is pretty wild. And just some notes before we go. 
Reminder, this week's movie club pick is Jules from 2023. Yes, be sure to watch Jules from 2023. And uh, thank you all for listening. Definitely give this tape a listen. We want to know what you think. Again, it's a little tough, so you may have to turn up your volume a bit, but it's pretty interesting. Wild stuff in there. We'll see you next week. See you next week. 150 feet or more from the initial, I should say, suspected impact point. Having a lift car, you can't get the land all the work. There seems to be some kind of mechanical problem. Let's send it back and get another light. Meantime, we're going to take some readings for the gather car and uh, chase around here a little bit, wait for another light off to my pants. Okay, we're now approaching area within about 25, 30 feet. What kind of readings are we getting? Anything? Just 500 clicks. What are the impressions? Is that a little bigger than Well, there's one more well
want, we do this. Why don't we make a sweep? Here, I've got the gloves on now. Let's make a sweep out around the whole area, about 10 foot out, and make a perimeter run around it, starting right back here at the corner, right back at the same first corner where we came in. Let's go right back here. Don't let it depend upon you counting the clicks. Right. Okay, let's close it. Yeah, then I can put the light on it and sweep around it. It would fly
Mark two and three. Meantime, I'm going to look at a couple of these trees over here. We are getting some. You're getting rains on the tree you're taking samples from on the side facing the suspected landing site. Four clicks, Max. Up to four. Interesting. That's right where you're taking the sample now. Four. That's the strongest point on the tree? Yes, sir. If you come to the back, there's no clicks whatsoever. No clicks at all on the back. It's all on the Maybe side facing the... Interesting. The indentations look like something twisted as it got, you know, as it sat down on them. Looks like someone took something and sat it down and twisted it from side to side. Mm -hmm. Very strange. We're looking at the same tree we took the sample off with this, what do you call it, star scope? Uh -huh, star and you're getting, a, getting a definite heat reflection off the tree, about, about three to four feet off the ground? Yes, where the, the same spot is. The same place where the spot is. We're getting a heat. spot on the tree directly behind us. I picked up the same thing. Right. Uh, three trees in the area, immediately adjacent to the site, within 10 feet of the suspected landing site. We're picking up heat reflection off the trees. What's that again? Well, shine a light on again, Bob. Well, you have trouble getting control. Get the light on the spot, and then when you want them, okay, turn the light on. Light, you'll notice the white. Uh, Let me turn around and look at this tree over here now. Just a second. Watch Bruce right in front of the tree. I can see it. Wait a minute. Give me a little side lighting so I can find the tree. Okay. Oh. I lost the tree. Okay. Stop. Stop. Light on. Hey, this is eerie. This is strange. Here, you want to look at the spots in the ground? Whoops, watch your nose. We're walking all over the block. Yeah, please, sir. <laughs> okay, let's, let's step back and not walk all over. Come back here, somebody put a beam on them. You're going to have to be back 10 or 15 feet. You see it? Okay, lights off. What do you think about the spot? Tell me when you're ready. 
Okay, lights out. This is the center spot we're looking at now. We're almost to center. Slight increase there. This is slightly off center toward the uh, one two side. It's a some type of an abrasion or something in the ground where the pine needles are all pushed back more. We get a high radiac or high uh, reading about uh, deflection of uh, two to three, maybe four, depending on the point on it. You said there's a positive after effect? Yes, there is definitely. That's on the center spot. There is an after effect. What does that mean? It means when the lights are turned off, once we are focused in and allow time for the eyes to adjust, we are getting an indication of a heat source coming out of that center spot, as, uh, which will show up on the Heat or some form of energy. It's hardly heat at this stage of the game. Looking directly overhead, one can see an opening in the trees plus some freshly uh, broken pine branches on the ground underneath. Looks like some of them came off about 15 to 20 feet up. Some small branches about an inch or less in diameter. Zero 148, we're hearing very strange sounds out of the farmer's barnyard animals. Very, very active, making an awful lot of noise. Yes, in a pigmentation. You just saw a light yes, where? Wait, I'm going to slow down. Where? Right on this position here, straight ahead, in between the tree. There it is again. Watch, straight ahead off my flash right there, yeah, sir. Well, there it is. Hey, I see it too. What is it? We don't know, sir. So, yeah, can I get some of Yeah, it's a strange, small red light. It looks to be out maybe a quarter to half mile, maybe further out. I'm going to switch off. The light is gone now. It was approximately 120 degrees from the site. Is it back again? Yes, sir. Oh, that's flashlight, sir. Let's move out to the edge of the clearing so we can get a better look at it. See if you can get the star scope on it. The light's still there, and all the barnyard animals have gotten quiet now. Yeah, we're heading about 110 to 120 degrees from the site out through to the clearing now. Still getting a reading on the meter. About two clicks. Meter's jumped three to four clicks, getting stronger. Now it's, uh, it's coming up. Hold up. There we go. About approximately four foot off the ground. It's coming to of 110 degrees. All right. I just turn the meter off. You've got to say that again. About four feet off the ground, about 110 degrees, getting a reading of about four clicks. Yes, sir. Yeah, but it... <coughs> no, it's dying. No, it's dying. I think it's something other than the ground. I think it's something that's... Something variable here. tree right over. We just found the first night bird we've seen. We're about 150 or 200 yards from the site. Everything else is just deathly calm. There's no doubt about it. There's some type of strange flashing red light ahead. Yeah, it's yellow. I saw a yellow tinge in it, too. Weird. It, it, it appears to be maybe moving a little bit this way. It's, it's brighter than it has been. Yellow. It's coming this way. It is definitely coming this way. Pieces of it are shooting off. There is no doubt about it. This is weird. Side to side, and when you put the star scope on it, 
it, it sort, of, sort of has a hollow center, a dark center. It's, it's you know, like a pupil of an eye looking at you and winking. And the flash is so bright to the starscope that uh, it almost burns your eye. Last the farmer's house and across in the next field. Now we have multiple sightings of up to five lights with a similar shape and all, but they seem to be steady now rather than a pulsating or glow with a red flash. We just crossed the, the creek and uh, we're getting what kind of readings now? Getting through three good clicks on the meter and we're seeing strange lights in the sky. At 244, we're at the far side of the farmer's second farmer's field and made sighting again about 110 degrees. This looks like it's clear out to the coast. It's right on the horizon. Moves about a bit and flashes from time to time. Still steady or red in color. Also, after negative readings in the center of the field, we're picking up uh, slight readings, uh, four or five clicks now on the meter. 3.05, we see strange uh, strobe-like flashes to the uh, rather sporadic, but there's definitely something uh, some kind of phenomenal. 305, at about uh, 10 degrees horizon, uh, directly north, we've got two strange objects, uh, half moon shape, dancing about with colored lights on them. But uh, guess to be about 5 to 10 miles out, maybe less. The half moons have now turned into full circles. As though there was an ellip eclipse or something there for a minute or two. Zero three fifteen. Now we've got an object about ten degrees directly south, ten degrees off the horizon, and the ones in the north are moving. One's moving away from us. Moving out fast. Yeah, we're both heading north. Okay, here, here he comes from the south. He's coming toward us now. Now we're observing what appears to be a beam coming down to the ground. This is unreal. 330 and the objects are still in the sky, although the one to the south looks like it's losing a little bit of altitude. We're turning around and heading back toward uh, the base. The object, to the, the object to the south is still beaming down lights to the ground. Zero so 400 hours, one object still hovering over Woodbridge Base at about 5 to 10 degrees off the horizon, still moving erratic and similar lights and beaming down as earlier. <laughs> This has been a Sundown 96.6 FM production.